1: Welcome back to Brand Me Creator with myself, Sonia, and Miss Harley Jordan, who we love so much. Harley and I have been chit-chatting about going viral and how viral is now a word that personally gives me the ick. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) Gives me the ick. I just, especially when it pertains to social media and requests from a client or an influencer, the question, how do I go viral? keeps me up at night and really bothers me to my core.
0: Me too. Anytime I see this is how you go viral and it's some generic advice, I swear, I just like (sighs) my whole soul crumbles up in front of me. So the reason that this came up is a couple of reasons. Number one being you see it all over the Rails tab is clickbait Um, and I get asked this question all the time. How do you go viral? I'm not going viral. What's happening? Can't I go viral? (laughs) I hate it. But Halsey actually posted a video yesterday or a couple of days ago um, about how her record label is requiring them to fake a viral moment. Before she releases her next single,
1: her recording label wants her to fake a viral moment on TikTok so that the single also goes viral. So I think... That just goes to show you that if someone who's of that large of a celebrity, that big of an already existing following can't just release things without a requirement of going viral, that going viral is more important with more pressure than ever for people. Although just as Harley just said, it's like, it it doesn't, it's not something that you can just do.
0: Yeah, look, she has 29.6 million followers and her record label is saying you can't just post this song at what point is it enough at what point do you say engagement is engagement and it doesn't matter the views post the freaking song people will eat it up
1: absolutely and also I think a great question to ask ourselves if we're being approached by a brand or an influencer about how do I go viral is like what are the consequences of viral of virality Mm -hmm. many people don't think through. And I did um, a tweet stream about this not that long ago, because I was reading an article about a brand that had gone viral on TikTok. And what are the repercussions? And I just don't think that people think through what's going to happen on the other end. They want it for the numbers, they want it for the massive growth and the quick punch that they don't have to do the day to day work. But what about what happens on the other end? What have you seen, Harley, for people who have gone viral, some of the downsides that people should be aware of?
0: Yeah, I mean, views do not mean that they are your ideal audience. And it's almost problematic when we have a viral moment because you're going to increase your audience in a demographic because you're getting a lot of eyes that you do not want. And on the brand side, I find this really atrocious because I have had I've had brands come back to me and say, we need X percent US based following. X percent US based, you don't have enough US based following to jump into this partnership. And I get it. I get it. Like you're trying to go after a target audience. But if you are going viral, that happens. That happens. I had a, I was looking at the insights of a influencer who had millions of followers and she had like 20% of her following within her native country. And could not get a brand deal with anyone. Does not matter that she had millions of followers. Does not matter that you have, you know, 300k in your country. Doesn't matter. That's a huge follower count. But- Absolutely. It's re- but it's also just like you're right. I think influencers
1: need to know and brands, if you go viral that doesn't mean that you're necessarily attracting the right followers. It's just numbers that are getting racked up and who knows. And similar to what we talked about in some of those scams on Instagram, where you're doing giveaways and other things to get new followers, like it's not going to be the right type of followers.
0: That's what's so crazy is a viral moment looks the exact same as a giveaway. A lot of the times where you're getting followers of a country that you're not necessarily going after in the first place. And I'm not saying those followers are a bad thing, but when it's not your target audience, like I, I, I very often, anyone, <laughs> this is so bad. When I see men storming into my account, the number of men that I remove from my mm-hmm. account is actually wild. Like if you are a man that follows me, know that you are special in VIP because <laughs> I, I can see from your profile that you're not interested in influencer marketing stuff. You're not interested in, in follower growth. You're not interested in Instagram. So why are you following me? I can't sell to you. you know,
1: it's all because you went viral. And I think a thing to think about, especially on the brand side, is what will happen on the other end. So There is, of course, your account going viral. That's one thing. But there's also your product going viral. So this is what a Mm -hmm. lot of brands are looking to achieve, especially in the era of TikTok, where things can get picked up quite quickly. It gets duetted. It gets stitched. And it goes viral. And one, I don't think that there's any way to make that happen without a ton of money. Um, there are brands right. who have a lot of money who can do a mixture of an original song, then a ton of influencer sponsorships, then a bunch of ad placements. Right. And when they push it all together and we're talking something that could be close to a million dollars, of course you're going to go viral, but that's not organic virality. The other side of that Mm -hmm. is that if you do have organic virality, a product does get picked up. And this happens a lot in the beauty world, but I think it also happens a lot for small brands that are just creating very niche products.
0: Yes. You were seeing that for small business TikTok for a while, where Mm -hmm. someone would create a TikTok and would say, like, blow my small business up. Oh, like, can you really handle that? (sighs) Can you really handle that creator in your garage that's, you know, creating a couple of orders a day?
1: Yep. You're talking about inventory. You're talking about shipping. You're talking about supplies, Mm -hmm. customer service, potentially lots of returns on something. I think that people are not aware of what happens after virality, even for an influencer. Mm -hmm. You have this huge increase in your following and now you're looking at how do I answer all these DMs? How do I keep creating content on this schedule? How do I you know, try and hit another one of these viral moments. Um, It just increases the pressure tenfold.
0: That. The Mm -hmm. pressure to go viral again, too. This is something that I see all the time where people are riding that high, riding Mm -hmm. that high, have a huge viral moment, are seeing so much traction, notifications pouring in, dopamine surging, and then we go back to normal. We go back to the norm for your account, for your account size. You're not getting the traction that you saw with that viral moment. And it's a hit to your ego. It shouldn't be a hit to your ego because, I mean, first first and foremost, we just need to take that off the table of your engagement relates to your reach relates to your worth. But it's tough to be on a constant up and down.
1: I agree 100%. And I had a TikTok go quote unquote viral. This is like baby viral though. You know, we're talking like in the 100K range, not the million views. And I remember being like, oh, this is like kind of cool. This is fun. Uh, I mean, thankfully my mindset is very disconnected from the outcome of social media. So I don't really care if another video gets that type of uptick. And thankfully, it was a video that was very relevant to my niche and the followers who are coming in are relevant to who I'd like to be speaking to. So it really mm-hmm. worked out for me. But this was baby viral. I know people, of course, who've gotten videos that go up into the three millions, four millions plus views, and they're getting... Just stuff from all over the place in their followers, Hammer. especially yeah. if that video is not one that is relevant to niche. Maybe they just did something funny. It's a lip sync, whatever else.
0: I've done both. And here's here's the difference. You have something that's related to your niche. And I've brought in 2000 followers within one weekend, you know, big, big numbers in the millions. Right. And it is fantastic. And the second you step into this could be relatable to more more people than just my niche, as much as that's great eyes and great traction and something that you do kind of want, is this a niche problem or is this a, you know, it just happens and we live and that's it?
1: I think that's a great question to ask yourself because, I mean, and you're you're self-auditing here, which is so important as an influencer or as someone who's creating on any platform. But yeah, to me, I would say it is a niche problem because every time you are creating content and posting it outside of your niche you are rolling the dice that you are going to become popular for something that you don't want. And I did an entire TikTok about niche and I was talking about like, we're all multifaceted people that's what makes us interesting. However, on the internet, you need to be a paper doll. You have to be one-sided and you can show those other parts. Yeah. Show those other parts of yourself in things that disappear. So stories both on TikTok and Instagram, that's where that stuff can come out because a story isn't going to go viral, right? That's not going to be the place for it, but it's showing that you're multi-talented. As Harley's mentioning, she's introverted. You can have other things happening there, but if, if that content does go viral, you're not attracting the wrong person
0: it just needs to come out in the details if I had somehow some way thrown in the words female entrepreneur (laughs) into (laughs) that into that reel we would have we would have sealed the deal it would have been great great like fantastic I'm bringing in eyes fantastic but Mm -hmm. if they're not female entrepreneurs if they aren't interested in growing their social media some way somehow like interested in brand partnerships they won't need me
1: (laughs) So true. And then you're just looking at vanity metrics, like it might be fun to land on someone's page and be like, oh my gosh, look, they're at 50k, they're at 100k. That's great. But if nobody, like, just like we give the speech all the time, we've done it in multiple episodes. If nobody cares about the future content that you're putting out, then it really doesn't matter if it's 50k or 500 It's, you know, I think the, the running joke across every platform is people saying that they don't, they want the opposite of going viral. They want the slow, steady brick by brick build. And I feel the exact same way, but it's, it's very difficult as a marketer to fight brands who want that instant growth. And so what I tell them is that if you want that instant growth, pay for ads. End of story. If you want that <laughs> virality, pay for ads because number one, and not boosting, your, troll posts. Not
0: boosting your posts, going into Facebook ad manager, yes, and correct. knowing the ropes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really wish boosting wasn't Hiring even an option. someone <laughs> that knows the ropes. Exactly. It knows more I, than the rope because you also don't want to waste your money on something and targeting the wrong people. Again, you might as well just try to organically grow. But if you're paying for ads, then you can target, you can talk about the exact things that you want for each product. You can create offers, funnels. There's so much more control. So your time is better spent focusing on a different plan that has the outcome that you desire.
0: So this is an interesting topic. Lately, I have been more on a mission of accepting a plateau and deleting the people that don't make sense. I actually purchased a Mm -hmm. Instagram audit analysis that gave me this long spreadsheet. It was actually a wild thing to go through that listed out Mm -hmm. all of the accounts that follow me, all 35K. And it gave if they have interacted in any of my last 40 posts, if they have a profile mm-hmm. picture, like if they, what was the other thing? If you're following more than 7,000 people, that's a huge red flag. And it gave them a rating. It spit out a rating of how valid and active this person was, if they're gonna see my content at all. And I went through mm-hmm. this list and deleted, removed like a thousand people In the last month, a thousand people that were following me because I need to accept this plateau and move forward with a better, or my, my mission is to move forward with more specificity in who is following me. So we'll see if what happens with engagement, we'll see if I do really build that community in a deeper way than, than was happening before, but how many followers is be except like what when when do we not care if we're if we're growing more
1: oh that's a great question I mean to me every day I'm not caring if I'm growing more
0: <laughs> but that's because <laughs>
1: I, I have a very well-adjusted reality on what I could do on social media and what I care about mm-hmm. on social media on the brand side I really think that Once you've hit that like 5,000, 10,000, I think like 20 to 25,000, there's not going to be a significant difference after that because social media is not the place where people are coming to convert. It's not. It's awareness at this point. And that's where people need to adjust their expectations. Being a brand and selling stuff through Instagram is fantastic. And it can be a great conversion tool, especially if you're running conversion campaigns. But if you're looking at your organic social media strategy, somewhere around 20,000, I would say to 50,000, maybe there's no difference anymore. Besides the fact that you feel competitive against other brands, there's no difference of people who are going to purchase. There's no difference of people who are going to sign up for an event. It's just that that is not a, you know, a goal that people should be forcing themselves for. Once you have that healthy community, what you should be focused on is if they have purchased, how do I have them repurchase? If they are here, how Mm -hmm. do I keep them here?
0: Not where's the next person,
1: where's the next person, where's the next person? It's just not feasible form of growth.
0: This is an amazing point because here's the interesting thing about pricing too. If you're an influencer, your rate, From 30k to 100k is negligible. You can bring in the same exact engagement from, and maybe your story views are different, but your reels interactions are very, very similar a lot of the time between that 30k mark and the 100k mark. So, does it really matter where you fall? And this has kind of been why I have said to myself, okay, this doesn't matter. I can charge $2,000 for a reel now, and I can charge $2,000 for a reel at 100K. So what's the difference in money-making?
1: Yeah, to me, the difference in money making comes when if you're that person who has the lesser following, your engagement percentage is higher than the higher following. And that happens, right? When I'm mapping out an influencer partnership and casting, I have everybody side by side with their numbers, their follower count, their engagement rate, and then the price that they're quoting for the for the work. And if someone at 50,000 followers has a significantly higher engagement rate than the person at 100,000 followers but their pricing is the same, I'm going to go with the person who has 50,000 followers. Yep. Of course, then there's the st- stipulation asterisk here, depending on the goal of the partnership, right? Depending on the goal. right? But for the most part, I think most people are going to lean towards the higher engagement rate. Right? So- I think this just really leads us to that. If you're an influencer, instead of spending all your time focusing on how do I get that next follower, you should be focusing on how can I get people to vote in a poll? How can I get them to click on my sticker link? How can I get them to make a comment on this post? That is going to be more valuable to more brands and more valuable to the bottom line of what you charge than having more followers that don't do anything.
0: That don't, that don't interact with you at all. And this is one thing that I see too, is the people that are going massive viral are bringing in tons of followers at one time, really aren't getting that community. They really do don't have the super high story views. Because the second you bring in that high, high reach, they don't know you anymore. Your audience doesn't know you. You have a ton of people that are seeing your stuff and aren't vetted in to exactly who you are. And there's a lot of analysis paralysis when people do go viral of, oh, hold up. I don't I don't know my audience. I don't know what's going to make them happy. I don't know how to engage with them. So a lot of these people that have grown 50K in the last three months, these huge, huge numbers really don't have the community. So should you be, is that a season that you're in, a growth season versus a a community building season? Do you, do you flip and change and say, okay, now's the time I need to focus on community or what are your thoughts there? I think
1: that you are always in seasons or you should be um, and it's just another way of saying strategy um, and that should be shifting right depending <laughs> on what is going on in your business. Sometimes we're in launch mode. Sometimes we're in acquisition mode. Sometimes we're in conversion. And that goes the same for an influencer. Sometimes you're in growth, right? Probably when when you first decide, I really want to take influencing more seriously, you're probably in more of a growth stage. You might be doing partnerships for free. You might be showing Mm -hmm. up on podcasts or collabs or other things just to get your name out there and to start building that following a little bit more. And then at some point you need to switch gears and say, okay, now I'm at community or now I'm at conversion. Now I'm teaching my audience this. And for what I would say is each season needs to be just like a season, three months. I don't think that much can happen in terms of major shifts with your strategy within one month, like doing something for 30 days normally isn't enough to see significant results, but doing it for 90 days definitely should show you some major results. And then you can decide to shift again, or stay in the mode that you're in.
0: Yes. Okay, where's my Tupperware? I'm going to keep leaning into this takeout jokes. (laughs) Where's my Tupperware? Um, When I think about our takeaway here, it really is that you do not need to be going viral. That slow and steady path is really the best way to handle. It's such a vanity metric that maybe that plateau, maybe that plateau is a good thing. because what's going to happen during that plateau. You're going to learn more about your audience. You're going to learn more about where you want to sit and you'll be able to make the big changes. You're preparing for that big growth phase as you're in a plateau, whether that be in your business or in your social media presence, branding, the works.
1: Agreed. I think the biggest takeaway for brands through this is, especially if you are a small business, really be careful about what's going to happen on the other end of virality and why you are wishing for it so deeply. Um, Most likely slow and steady growth is going to get you higher long-term conversions and repeat buys. So that's something to keep in mind. And for influencers, just focusing on those other metrics and those other strategies, like Harley is saying, shifting from... From growth to conversion to you know other Mm -hmm. focuses. The biggest lesson that I have learned as a business owner is in order to speed up, you have to slow down. There's no you can't speed up all the time. You have to slow down sometimes. And it's in that slow phase that most people are uncomfortable. Um, but if you're good at being comfortable in the slow phase, your speed up is going to be so much more dynamic because you're planning, you're strategizing, you're measuring, and you're like ready to go once that's, once that slow phase is over. And you'll know when it's over. You'll know when it's time. You'll know. You'll, you'll be ready for that super boost.
0: Thank you for coming and hanging out on Brand Me Creator Podcast. We will catch you next time.